Well, Woodland Church, I think it's uh, appropriate. The first thing we do today is pray for our president and first lady and for all those who are suffering from COVID um, around our nation, around our world. Uh, I think it's just so important always to pray for our leaders. The Bible commands us to, but let's do that right now. Dear God, we come before you. We thank you for your love for us. And Lord, this is a, a time where so many are are going through pain and difficulties, and we pray especially for those, Lord, who are suffering from COVID, that you just bring healing, Lord, and we thank you for your healing power. We pray also for our president and first lady and all of our elected leaders that have contracted COVID, that you would just bring healing to them and strengthen them and meet their every need. For it's in your name we pray, Jesus, amen. Well, while on vacation in 2008, Lynn Manuel Miranda, a former high school teacher and a Broadway musician, read Ron Chernow's 800-page biography of Alexander Hamilton, The Forgotten Founding Father. And Miranda then became determined to write a Broadway musical to tell Hamilton's story. Before Hamilton the musical premiered, Hamilton the Founding Father was almost forgotten from the history books, even though he played such an integral role in writing things like the Federalist Papers and and helped write the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. You see, most of the nation's other framers went on to become president. And they had institutions and buildings and streets named after them. Their stories are woven into the fabric of American history. Hamilton's story, however, was rarely told because his story and his life were cut short. But now... Of course, it's a completely different story because of Miranda's award-winning lyrics and music that include history put to hip-hop and rap and power ballads. Alexander Hamilton's story is finally being told. Hamilton the Musical is one of the most popular and highest-grossing shows of all time. So now the generation coming up knows more about Hamilton than they do about all the other founding fathers combined. Though I think some of them would probably say that Alexander Hamilton is a current hip-hop artist because they're probably a little confused. But the moving last song in Hamilton the musical is called Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story. And it says, let me tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and dreamed of glory. You have no control. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Every other founding father's story gets told. Every other founding father gets to grow old. And when you're gone, who remembers your name? Who keeps your flame? Who tells your story? Who tells your story? Who tells your story? I want you to know there's a master storyteller who wants to tell your story. He lived, he died to write your story and to tell your story. He's the God of the universe. He's the God who created you because he loves the story of you. We're in this series that we just started that we're calling the story of you. It's all about how God can redeem your past and rewrite your story. And we said last week that God doesn't erase the pain from our past as much as I'd like to go back and change some of the mistakes and failures and sins of my past. Can't do that but God can write something new and powerful that changes everything that he puts onto your story and changes the story completely. But I think one of our greatest fears as human beings is as soon as we die, our story will be forgotten. 
Or maybe our story was never worth remembering anyway. That's one of our fears, that our story just doesn't matter. And I think that sometimes we feel like all the struggles and the pain in our story mean that there's no one really writing our story. There's no one really guiding our story to a happy ending, that our story is just meaningless. And maybe you feel today like all the pain and the struggles in your story mean that your story has no meaning or mean that God has forgotten you and God has forgotten your story and that your story will be forgotten forever, that your story was never worth remembering, that your story really doesn't matter. But I want you to know God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. He's just not finished with the story yet. The master storyteller has not forgotten you. You may feel like you're in a forgotten chapter of the story where it feels like God is nowhere around and you're going through so much pain and difficulties and problems that you can't really see what God is up to and it feels like that God doesn't care. God doesn't care about your story, but I want you to know God has not forgotten your story. He's just not finished with it yet. You're just in that forgotten chapter but he will never forget you. I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 49. And here we see the people of Israel thinking that God has forgotten them. They're just in a forgotten chapter, but God reminds them powerfully that he'll never forget them. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at Woodlands Church at Tascacita and Woodlands Church North Point and everyone connected with us online. I know thousands of you right now are connected with us online all around the world. All that matters whether you're in the woodlands or you're on the other side of the world, is that you're connected with us. We're all part of one church, and we've got to stay connected during these times. To stay connected in confusing times is so important because God can bring clarity when you're connected. You're connected to each other in the body of Christ, connected to God. So follow along with me. The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And then God replies, never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Dear God, I thank you that you love us so much that you never forget about us, that you're always there, you're always thinking about us, that you're crazy about our story. And Lord, I thank you that you're right with everyone within the sound of my voice, but I know that there are some today, probably many today, who feel like they're in a forgotten chapter of their life story. And it just feels like you're nowhere around, and it feels like the heavens are silent. Their prayers seem to be just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. Lord, I know there are times in all of our lives when we feel forgotten, but remind us today that you will never forget us, that you know right where we're at, it's just that you haven't finished the story yet. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd make your presence so felt in our lives and hearts that you'd meet us right in the middle of our pain. You'd meet us, Lord, right at the point of our need and work miracles in the next few moments. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated and here God says, I will never forget you. You may feel forgotten, but I will never forget you. How can I forget you? He says, how can a young mother Forget the baby that she's nursing. And even if that were possible, I will not forget you. And then God begins to talk like, uh, like a grade school 
boy who has a crush on a little girl in the class, and so he writes her name on the palm of his hands, and then he writes her a little note, and as he's writing the note, he keeps looking at his hand, and he's smiling, and he's just thinking about her because he's crazy about her, and isn't that amazing how God puts himself in that place to say, I'm crazy about you. I've written your name on the palm of my hands, and so when I write out your story, I'm thinking about you, smiling about you, I love you, and I love the story of you. I'm just not finished yet, but I've got some plans. This is gonna be an amazing story. If you'll let me write the story, your story will never be forgotten because it'll be an eternal story that will last forever. But there will be some painful chapters. There will be some silent chapters where you feel like, I'm not there, but just know that I am. I'm closer than ever. And your story will never be forgotten. Just let me write the story. Today, we're gonna look at a powerful story in the scripture that at one time looked like that it would never be told. It looked like that the story was over. It was the end of the story. But yet, God brought it back to life in such a powerful way. It's the story of Joseph. Now, it's filled with a lot of ups and downs. In the middle of the story, there's down after down after down after down until the ultimate up, where God lifts Joseph up to rule and to reign. It starts out in Genesis 37.5. It says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So the story starts out with Joseph being a brash, immature teenager who's his father's favorite, and it really ticks off his brothers, but God gives him a dream, and it's a dream from God, and it's a dream that his life story would be an eternal story. It's a dream that his life story would make an impact and never be forgotten. And so he comes to his brothers and he tries to tell his own story in his own way and he misses the whole meaning of the story. He tries to tell his own story in his way. He doesn't let God tell his story. He tries to tell his story the way he wants to tell his story, and it just backfires because he misses the whole meaning of the story. He comes and tells his brothers, hey, guys, I had this dream. God gave me a dream that my life story is going to be told forever and ever, and, and that in the dream, I was royal, and I was in charge, and nations came to me and bowed down to me, and you guys, you had a part in the story. I mean, you, you guys are gonna love this. You have a, a small part in the story, isn't that cool? I mean, you guys come, your part is you bow down to me. Isn't that a great part? Isn't that awesome? They didn't think it was awesome. It made them even angrier at him. Y you see, he kind of misinterpreted the whole meaning of the story because he left out the main character, God. And when you leave out the main character, you miss the meaning of the story. He said, hey guys, the story of my life is gonna be, I'm gonna be this amazing leader and everybody's gonna bow down to me and I'm just gonna lead everybody and tell everybody what to do, how amazing. But that wasn't the meaning of the story. He got the facts right, but he got the meaning wrong. The meaning was, not that God was gonna raise him up to be a great leader, but that God was gonna use him to serve the nations and to serve and save his family from famine and save Israel from famine, the whole nation, so that the Messiah could come through in the future. And you see, his whole story was about serving the main character and others. It wasn't about being a great leader, it was about being a great servant. 
fulfilling God's purpose and serving God's purpose because God is the main character. But if you take out the main character from your story and that's God, then you're gonna miss the meaning of your whole story. And your story is not going to be eternal. You see, it'll be a selfish story that will die with you because it's not about you. It's about God, the master storyteller. You see, if I try to make my story known because I want to be known, I want my story to get out there, I want people to know my name, when I die, it's a story that's not eternal. But when I live to make him famous and to lift him up, then I get to be part of his eternal story, and my story will live forever. I mean, you can have a story on this earth of doing good things. You can have a story of accumulating a lot of possessions. You can have a story of being lifted up to a high position of influence. But when you die, if you leave out the main character, your story dies. Your story's done. It won't last. Your story will be forgotten in the dustbin of history. And it won't last for all eternity. People may brag about you and your story on this earth, but when a selfish story dies, the story dies. But in every good story, characters are developed through the story. Characters change, and that's what happens with Joseph. It's a great story, and his character changes. His character is developed. I mean, he loved God as a teenager. He loved God with all his heart, but he just had some character development that needed to take place so his character could match his calling so his character could match this high calling that God was calling him to in his life. And so it says in Psalm 105, 19, until the time to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So God cares more about what the story makes you than what the story really is. We're always thinking about what we're doing in life and our goals in life, but God's more concerned about our character than our accomplishments. He's not as concerned about what we're doing as who we're being and who we're becoming. And so God begins to work on Joseph's character development so it'll match his calling. Now, Joseph's father made Joseph the favorite. I mean, he loved Joseph more than the other brothers, and he made it really clear because he gave Joseph this beautiful, ornate, royal coat of many colors. And this coat of many colors sort of became the cover the glossy cover to the book of Joseph's life. But of course, you can't judge a book by its cover, can you? Like Martin Luther King Jr. said, you can only judge it by the content of its character. And Joseph sort of used that coat to represent this dream. He used that coat to, to be the glossy cover, the image of his life, the image that he wanted everyone to see of him, the story that he wanted everyone to read, and it was a fiction story because here he was in this royal robe that represented royalty, and he would wear it around really proudly, kind of doing the Conor McGregor strut around his brothers with his royal robe on, and it was apparent that they didn't have one because their dad didn't give them one because they weren't his favorite, but they gave that to Joseph, and he would wear it around his brothers real proudly It'd be like, man, look at this. Look at this coat, this jacket, this glossy jacket over the story of my life because I am royal, I'm going to be royal, and I'm sure that his brothers are thinking, that's great, but 
We don't have one of those. They became angrier and angrier at Joseph. You see, Joseph sort of connected the coat to his calling. But then what happens? The brothers became so angry that they stripped away, the Bible says, his coat of many colors. They ripped it off of him and then they threw him in a well and when Egyptian slave traders came by, they sold him into slavery into Egypt. The Bible says they stripped him of his coat. They stripped him of that glossy cover. They stripped him of his image. God allowed them to strip away that coat, that image, that glossy cover of his life so that he could get down to the real Joseph. Not the image, but the real Joseph. The real Joseph, and here's the amazing thing. God wants to strip away all the image, not the fiction that you want everyone to think about you or the story you want everyone to read about you, but he wants to strip away the glossy cover of your life to get down to the real content of who you really are. Even the gross things, you know, the the good, bad, and the ugly. And the amazing thing is, that's what God wants, is the real you. He's not interested in the image of you, he wants the real you. He wants the real you, he knows the real you, and he wants you to live from the real you. He wants to get down to your failures and your mistakes, your successes, your beauty, your ugliness. He wants to get down to all of it. He wants to get to the real, raw you, and so he will allow your glossy cover to be stripped away to get down to the content of your character so that he can begin working on your character to make you more like himself. And he can only do that when he gets down to the real you. You see, Joseph's brothers then took that coat, which they despised, and they killed a young goat, it says, and they dipped the coat in the blood of the young goat. Then they took the coat to their father, and they said, Dad, uh, I think we found Joseph's coat. We're not sure. This looks a lot like Joseph's coat, but it's covered in blood. And it's the only coat we know of in the world like this. So it's probably Joseph's. And it looks like it's covered in blood. So he must have gotten eaten by a wild animal. And you thought your family was dysfunctional? Maybe that'll encourage. Maybe that's the only thing you're going to get today. Your family's all right. You're dysfunctional, but uh, you put the fun back in dysfunction and it's going to be okay. Now, think about it for a moment. This beautiful, ornate coat is now just covered in the blood of pain and death. It goes from beautiful to gruesome and ugly. And what God uses to strip away the cover of our lives so he can get down to the real you is pain. And your life has been outlined by blood. The blood of pain and anguish and hurt. And then the chapters get filled in with the paragraphs of your problems and your mistakes and your failures. But it's the pain that really rips off the fake cover of your life and gets down to the real story. The real story of you, the good, bad, and ugly. And God can take then your story with all the pain and the struggles, the good, bad, and the ugly, and he can write a new ending that changes the meaning of the whole story. God doesn't go back and erase the pain. He doesn't go back and change all my failures, but he writes 
something new and powerful that changes the meaning of every word and every sentence and every chapter, and it changes the meaning of my whole story. When you give God the pen, he will begin to write something from the pain that changes it to purpose. For you see, God wants to get down to the real you because he loves the real you. With all your mistakes and failures, with all your hurt, with all your pain, he wants to get down to the real you so that he can write something real that changes the real you into who he wants you to become. And so God will begin to write something new to the pain that will change every word, that will change the meaning of every word in your story. It'll change your story from a story of tragedy to a story of triumph. It will change your story from a story of hurt to a story of healing. It will change your story from a story of death to a story of life. He will change the meaning of your whole life and your whole life story if you'll let him have the pen. And he will take the worst of the worst and bring something beautiful out of it. Well, Joseph was in that character development stage. And so he was sold into slavery to a wealthy Egyptian named Potiphar. And Potiphar notices something different about Joseph because remember, Joseph loved God. He just had some character development to take place that needed to take place in his life. But I believe when he got sold into slavery, he must have decided, God, I'm gonna let you write the story. I mean, you've already told me that that you're going to write me a life story that's gonna make my story last forever. And so I give it to you to tell the story the way you want. I give it to you to write the story the way you wanna write the story because you're the main character of the story. But would you give me today just the strength to make it through this page of the story? And all I'm gonna do, I'm gonna let you finish the story. I'm not gonna try to write anything. I I just wanna obey you today. And that's what he did, and God blessed him and raised him up. And Potiphar noticed, hey, this guy I can trust. I've never seen someone I could trust before. So he puts him in charge of his whole household. And God is blessing him and raising him up because he's just saying, one page at a time, God. I just wanna do what you want, and I'm gonna leave the rest of the story to you. I'm gonna leave the ending to you. You're the great writer. I give it to you, and I know you're gonna take care of me. But then Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. And the scripture says that Joseph ran from temptation, like we're supposed to do, run from temptation, but as he ran away, it says that she grabbed his coat, and he ran off, and it took his coat off, and she was left holding his coat, so he loses his coat again. He's in a habit of losing coats, and so he loses another coat, and and that coat sort of represents his integrity, because here's Joseph, and he chooses to run from temptation to keep his integrity. He loses his coat, but he doesn't lose his integrity. He loses his coat, but he doesn't lose his integrity. And there'll be many times in your life you'll have the chance to lose your coat or lose your integrity. Maybe it's a business deal where it's a little shady, you know, and well, other people have done this, but it's a little shady. And so you'll have a chance. You can lose the money or lose your integrity. Lose the money. The value is not even close to your integrity. We'll have many chances in our lives for God to build our character when we can choose to lose our coat or lose our integrity. Always lose your coat, never lose your integrity. Think about this for a moment. You know, Joseph could have said, I'm in a foreign land no one will ever know. I mean, nobody knows me here. No one will ever know what I do. No one will ever know. I I, I can do whatever I want to, and besides, I mean, I've tried to live for God and look where it gets me. I mean, trouble and more trouble. 
pain and more pain. And so, I mean, I, I might as well give in. This wealthy woman is trying to seduce me. I might as well give in to temptation because, I mean, no one will ever know. And here's the truth. No one would have ever known. No one would have ever known Joseph's story if he'd have lost his integrity there. His story would have never been told. No one would have ever known. But yet he chooses integrity in the story is being told right now. And I know that God, when I choose things that chip away at my integrity, when I sin, when I fail, I know that God can take all that and, and still write something powerful that will last for eternity, but think about that for a moment. Think about that. When we let God write our story, we can count on him to take care of us. Because when you choose integrity, Everything always works out perfect, right? When you do the right thing, then right things just happen to you, right? No. What happened to Joseph when he did the right thing? I mean, God just blessed him and raised him up. No, he got thrown in jail, falsely accused of rape, thrown in jail, and that's where the story looked like it was gonna end. Story looked like it had been written. Think about that for a moment, because Joseph had to come to the place where he said, God, I know you're gonna write my story. I know it's going to be eternal. I know that you're gonna bring good out of bad. I don't get it, but I'm gonna keep just obeying you one page at a time, one word at a time. I'm gonna obey you and let you write the story, even though right now it looks like you've forgotten me. He came to the forgotten chapter, and we all have forgotten chapters in our lives where it feels like we've been totally forgotten, and it was there that it looked like it was the final chapter. It was there that it looked like the book of his life was gonna be closed, he was gonna die in a prison cell in Egypt, and his story would never be known or told. But there he meets a cupbearer, former cupbearer of the king, and this cupbearer of the king was the king's right-hand man, but he fell out of his favor. The king had him thrown in jail, as kings can do. And there he becomes friends with Joseph, and they hit it off, but then one night the cupbearer has a dream in prison. He tells it to Joseph, and Joseph says, I know what that dream means. God revealed to me that it means you're gonna be raised back into Pharaoh's favor, and he's gonna bring you back as his cupbearer, and you're gonna be his right-hand man again. It's an amazing thing. You're gonna be really blessed. And when you get back to Pharaoh, and everything's restored, tell him about me. Don't forget me. And I'm sure the cupbearer said something like, you can count on it. I mean, you're my best friend. I mean, and you've told me my dream, and it's so cool. I'm gonna be restored again. So I can tell you this, when I get back to Pharaoh, the first thing, I'm not even gonna bow down to him. I'm just gonna tell him about you. That's what I'm gonna do. First thing I'm gonna do, I mean, you bet you can count on it. I'm gonna tell him about you. And he's so excited. But he's not telling the truth. Because what really happens in Genesis 40, Joseph says, and please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. And Pharaoh's cheap cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Have you ever been forgotten? You ever been forgotten by somebody else? Oh yeah, I'm gonna really come through for you. You can count on me and not another word. You feel forgotten. Or you're in a, a room and you're talking to someone but they're looking right through you like you're invisible because they're looking for someone more important in the room to talk to. 
Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt forgotten by God? You see, Joseph says to his friend, hey, let me tell you part of my story. And he tells him part of his story, how he, how he was kidnapped, sold into slavery. And, and he tells him part of his story to connect him to his story. And yet, this guy forgets his story. He forgets him completely. And, and sometimes people forget. Sometimes we're forgotten. Sometimes we're not valued. Sometimes we're devalued, mistreated, and forgotten. And sometimes we feel forgotten by God. But just remember this, God will never forget you. You're just in the forgotten chapter, but forgotten is right before fulfillment. You're just in the forgotten chapter, but fulfillment chapter is coming. It just feels like God is not there. And when you're in the forgotten chapter where it feels like God is nowhere around and the heavens are silent, then you have to do what Joseph did. He chose, even though he was left in that prison, totally feeling forgotten, feeling that God had forgotten him. He knew God hadn't forgotten him, so he decided that he would, one page at a time, one chapter at a time, one sentence at a time, one word at a time, just obey God and say, God, I don't like this. It feels like you've forgotten me, but I'm just gonna today for this one day, for this one page, just obey you and serve you and praise you, sing to you, because you have me here for a reason and you're gonna write the rest of my story. I know you're gonna write the rest of my story, so I give it up to you to do it however you want because you're the author. When you're in, the, when you're in this forgotten chapter, every day just keep saying, God, I don't feel like it. Seems like you know we're around, but I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna keep living for you. God, I don't feel like you're around, but I'm gonna have my quiet time today and spend 10 minutes with you in the word, even though I'm not really feeling it right now. God, I don't really feel like praying, but I'm gonna pray to you anyway to obey you. God, I don't feel like tithing right now, going through a difficult time. I'm gonna do it anyway because you command me to. God, I don't feel your presence right now, but I'm gonna praise you anyway because I know you're here, whether I feel it or not. And that, in that forgotten chapter, is where your faith is built the most. When you follow God in the forgotten chapter. When you follow God in the forgotten chapter, he builds your faith and he prepares you for the fulfillment chapter. But I want you to see Joseph had to go through the forgiveness chapter over and over again. You see, every step of the way, he could have become bitter. I mean, it seemed like he had every right to get bitter because he was always being wronged and hurt doing the right thing, and then terrible things would happen to him. People would wrong him. It looks like he could have become very bitter, and he would have every right to become bitter, but he knew that bitterness just creates writer's block for the master storyteller. Because when I become bitter, he can't write out the blessing chapter. He creates this writer's block because bitterness blocks blessing. And so even though it seemed like he had every right to become bitter, he didn't want the bitterness to block his blessing, so he kept choosing to forgive. It's like, God, they wronged me. They hurt me. It's not right. I don't get why you allowed it, but I'm gonna forgive them because you command me to, and I don't want them to keep hurting me. I'm gonna forgive them, so I choose to forgive. He kept choosing to forgive. That guy forgot me when he promised that he wouldn't, but God, I don't like it, but I choose to forgive him. And he would choose to forgive over and over. He would release the bitterness so that God's blessing chapter could come through in his life. And then, finally, the cupbearer remembers him because the Pharaoh has a dream. And everyone's upset because the Pharaoh's upset. And 
He says, I don't know what my dream means. And the cupbearer remembers, hey, there was a guy named Joseph in prison. Oh yeah, he was my good friend. And, and he could interpret dreams. And he told Pharaoh and Pharaoh rings Joseph and tells him his dream. And Joseph says, I know exactly what that means. God has revealed it to me. There's gonna be a great famine in the land. So you better store up food now so that you can feed your nation and other nations as well and save them from the famine. And Pharaoh is so impressed, he elevates Joseph to be the prime minister, second in command in all of Egypt. He goes from the forgotten chapter to the fulfillment chapter, but there's still a forgiveness chapter. And in your life, there will be many forgiveness chapters because we live in a broken world and you're gonna be hurt. People are gonna wrong you. You're gonna hurt others. And we have to choose that forgiveness chapter over and over again because when the famine hit, Joseph was in charge of distributing all the food, his prime minister, and all these nations were coming to him and his family came to him and they didn't recognize him, you know the story. And then Joseph reveals who he is, I'm Joseph. And they're terrified because they know that he could just say one word and their heads would be cut off. They know that he has every right to take his vengeance and they're terrified. They go, now Joseph is gonna kill us. He's gonna take his vengeance because of what we've done to him. But Joseph says, hey, don't worry guys. And in Genesis 50, 20, one of the most powerful sentences in all of scripture, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He says, yeah, you guys did intend to hurt me. You, you wanted to harm me, that was your purpose, but God had another purpose. He took the pain you inflicted on me and he turned it into my purpose because he is the master storyteller and I let him write the rest of the story. And in a way, I wanna thank you guys because I've already forgiven you. In a way, I wanna thank you because if it wasn't for you throwing me into that pit and selling me to the slave trader, I wouldn't be here today saving your life and saving our nation and serving you today. So in a way, I wanna thank you. Yeah, you intended to harm me, but God meant it for good and I've already forgiven you. All along the way, I kept forgiving you. How powerful is that? And there are people out there who wanna see you fail. There are people out there that wanna see your life fall apart. There are people out there that wanna see you fall. There are people out there who intend to harm you. And there are people out there who have harmed you. And some of you have been wounded so deeply and so wronged, and it's not fair. Some of you have gone through such trauma and been hurt so deeply by someone else, and it's not fair. It doesn't make sense, but I know this. God can take that harm. And God can take that hurt. God can take even that trauma and somehow bring something purposeful and beautiful out of it. They intended to harm you, but God has a greater purpose. When he starts writing, it turns into purpose instead of pain. And God has a purpose, and your story's not written yet. That doesn't define you. Yes, that happened, but it doesn't define you because God's writing your story and he knows your destiny and he's gonna finish the story and he will have the last word. No one else is gonna have the last word. He'll have the last word and he'll take care of it all one day. They intended to harm him, but God intended it for good. The amazing thing is God built his character through it all because he sees the story and the meaning of the story completely different. The same facts, but totally different meaning. It says in Genesis 45, seven, God has sent me here to keep you and your families alive so that you will become a great nation. 
You see, at first it was about, hey guys, the story, I'm the main character of the story. I mean, y'all are worshiping me, bowing down to me, and it's me, 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 me. But now he says, hey, the story was, I was part of God's big story, that God had me come to this place so I could serve you and save you and save the nation of Israel that one day the Messiah would come through. You see, God had it in his purpose. Joseph just got to be part of God's great story, and that's the way we are. You see, if your story is one that's about you and you're the main character of your story, then your story is a selfish story that will die with you, but it has to be God is the main character and all about others. And as God is the main character, and you focus on serving others because God's story is always about others. Because God has this plot that runs all the way through history, which is his story, and it's this. He's building a forever family. He's bringing in as many as he can, as many as choose him, bringing them into his forever family, a forever eternal story, And that forever family is the church. The church is the body of Christ. It's not a building. The church is people who love Jesus and connect together. It's not a place you go, it's people. And so God's plan, God's story is that he lives through us. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his voice to go to this hurting world. And so we are the body of Christ. And so when we allow the master storyteller to live in our lives and he tells his story through our uniqueness and through our experiences and through our story. And it becomes a story that will never die because we become part of the greatest story ever told. Ephesians 1.23 says, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. And so you are the church. You are the body of Christ. When Christ is in you, the master storyteller, and and he lives through you, then he tells that eternal story through you and your uniqueness, even your hurt and your pain and your failures and your sins, he takes it and brings about a redemption story, a comeback story, and it's a life-changing story. I think it's so important that we're all connected to the body of Christ, that we become Christ followers, by receiving Christ, the master storyteller, into our lives, and then we connect to a church family. That's part of God's plan. We have our membership class coming up in a couple of weekends, and it's gonna be huge. You need to sign up. We're gonna have it online and in person, but you need to go online and just sign up for it. We're gonna feed you. It's two hours. I teach the class. It's how you join, and there's so many already signed up. It's gonna be an amazing class. And if you're kind of on the sidelines, get in the game. It's time to connect to the family of God because... God's telling his story. He's building a forever family, and he wants your story to be told. His story told through your uniqueness so that it will never die. Well, his story, the greatest story, really has no beginning and it has no ending. I mean, you can turn the pages backwards, but you will never get to the first page. For the story has always existed. And you can turn the pages forward, but you'll never come to the last page because the story will never end. But I'll open the book to the chapter where the greatest story came from the palace of heaven to be etched on the frail human pages of our planet. His story comes to life in the unusual setting of a filthy animal stable. 
in an insignificant Middle Eastern village 2,000 years ago. And the divine story at first was written in obscurity for 30 years with these very ordinary words that almost no one reads. And even fewer recognize the uncontainable power that was in the story. But then, suddenly each sentence of the story begins to explode off the page with miraculous words that bring healing, words that bring good news to the poor, words that bind up the brokenhearted, words that comfort those who mourn, words that set the captives free. And then more and more people began to follow the story and the story began to take hold of their lives and began to fill them with hope. But there were those who tried to change the story. They didn't like what the story clearly said about their sinful hearts. So they tried to change the story, but you can't change the story. The story can only change you. But they tried and they failed. When they realized they couldn't change the story, they tried to stop the story. They tried to ban the story. They tried to keep the story from ever being told. But the more they tried to silence the story, the louder the words became. But in the darkest chapter in human history, in jealousy and rage, they killed the story. It looked like the end of the story. The book was closed, it was wrapped and bound and placed in the deepest, darkest, forgotten corner of Earth's archives. And the great stone door was slammed shut and it was locked and it looked like the story would never see the light of day. And with it, all the words of hope and joy and life and peace were gone. It looked for certain that the story would never be told. Just imagine the greatest story of all time never being told. But after three long days in the darkness of hopeless silence, without warning, each word began to breathe. Soon each sentence began to burst off the page in uncontainable light as the binding burned off and the story exploded to life again and the story was resurrected from the dead because the greatest story cannot be silenced and the greatest story cannot be stopped. The greatest story cannot be banned, though there are people that still try to do it today. The greatest story could not be killed. The greatest story will be told. And the story... The greatest story ever told, Jesus Christ. The story, when we accept it, the story of each of us who receive the greatest story become part of the life-changing story. And because of the greatest story, your story will be told. Your story will never be forgotten. Your story matters to the greatest storyteller of all time because he lived, he died, he rose to tell your story. God loves the story of you. No matter what's been written so far, maybe you've tried to write it yourself and it's just filled with pain and hurt and failures, but God wants to take that story and he wants to take all the failures and bring faith out of it. God wants to take all the pain and bring purpose out of it so that your story will not be forgotten. I want you to know you're not forgotten. God knows right where you're at. He knows what you're going through. Maybe you came in here today, you connected with us today and you just felt like, you're forgotten. You just felt like that God was nowhere around. He knows, he cares, and he will write your story and he's just not finished yet. Your story is not written. Your story is not over. It's just getting started. 
but have you given the pen to the master storyteller? He wants to write your story. He wants to tell your story for his glory. Let's bow together. Dear God, we thank you for your love for us. And I just pray for all those who are going through pain and difficulties that are just overwhelming. And it just feels like they're in the forgotten chapter. Just remind them, Lord, that you haven't forgotten them. Just give them your strength, Lord, to make it one page at a time, just following you. And the fulfillment chapter is on the way because their story's not written yet. And Lord, we just give you the pen and ask you to write what you want for your glory, that you would bring glory from our story. And Lord, I pray for those who've never received you, that they would just pray this simple prayer silently to you right where they are. Dear Jesus, you're the master storyteller. I've tried to write a story with my life that makes sense, but it all just falls apart. So I pray that you would just write my story from now on. I give you the pen and make you the Lord of my life, master storyteller, Jesus Christ, and I ask you to come into my life through your Holy Spirit and forgive me of all my sins and mistakes, failures, and I ask you, to write my story from now on. And I thank you, Lord, that you've already written my name in the book of life, and you've given me the free gift of heaven one day because of what you did on the cross and how you rose from the grave. And I ask you to write my story for the rest of my life and take me to heaven one day. I thank you that my story will be eternal, never to be forgotten, because my story is now part of your greatest story of all time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, especially if you're online, all you have to do is just press that little button that has a hand that says, I'm raising my hand to receive Christ, to commit my life to Christ. And our pastors are online, they can talk to you about that decision. And we have pastors around here who can talk to you about that decision at all of our campuses. Well, now we're at the point of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us, and we give because we want to. We give because we have to, because when you put God first, when you put God first in your finances, then he blesses the rest and how we need him. And so we give because we want God to be first, but how do we give? You know, we don't pass the basket anymore, but we still take the offering as part of our worship, and we do it differently, like so many things, if you're at one of our campuses here in the Woodlands, Atascacita, North Point, then just take out right now your smartphone. I know it's kind of weird, but just take it out. And by the way, all your sermon outline, your notes are in there. But take out your, your smartphone right now. And then just text GIVEWC. It has to be one word, GIVEWC, to 77977. 77977. And you can then just give right here as if the offering basket is going by. Or if you're at home, you can... Give online, wc.org slash give. And you can set up recurrent giving to put God first. Why do we do that? Not because we feel like it, but because we obey him. We tithe to obey God, and we know that he gives us his blessing and strength, and he meets our needs. That's his promise. But we do it, whether we feel it or not, we do it because we love him. And I know so many people are hurting in our church. We are reaching out, stepping out to meet the needs of so many hurting people in our congregation in our community, in our city right now. And all around the world, we're meeting needs like never before. We're stepping up because where God guides, God provides. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all give. Every one of us can give and, and put God first in our lives and in our finances. So.
Let's do that right now because we love the Lord. And maybe God's blessed you. You're one of the few during this time who's been blessed. And this probably means God wants you to give sacrificially over and above to make an impact, to make a difference so that we can keep making a difference in a powerful, powerful way. I want us right now to sing to the Lord, to lift the Lord up because I didn't say in the message, but the enemy will whisper in your ear this week that your story's already written, uh, that the title of your story is loser. The title of your story is you're forgotten. The title of your story is you can never be used by God again. All your failures and mess ups, and he'll try to talk that into your mind and into your heart. Don't let him because God writes your story and he tells you the real deal, who you really are. He says, you are my child. You're not forgotten. You're not forsaken. You're a child of mine. You're righteous in me. You're totally forgiven regardless of your past, your failures and mistakes. I have a new story to write for you and you are my child and I will never forget you. I've written you on the palm of my hands. You're a child of God. You're not forsaken. Let's stand together and let's sing it with all of our hearts. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.